Hey everyone, welcome to the Weekly Impact Podcast. My name is Daniel Yelverton and I am your host for the day. Brent Smith will be joining us in just a little while and we have a special guest today, uh, Spencer Robinette, uh, pastor of a local church here. He's been a also, he's been, he was a youth pastor at our uh, church and he planted a church out of our church uh, here at Elevation Community Church and great guy, awesome uh, impact in the community that he's having and uh, in the local uh, body. So Spencer, will you say hi to everybody? What's going on, y'all? I'm thankful to be here. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, I think Britt's going to be joining us. And so we're, we're really glad that you're uh, a part of this and, um, you know, so thankful for not only your friendship, but also just how God has just been working in your life and in your family and through the community that you guys are pastoring and working through. And you guys uh, have a lot of cool stuff going on, right? Uh, some, some growth happening, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a, it's been a neat season. We're, we're just, Hey, what's up? Hey guys. <laughs> I, uh, I almost wore a sleeveless shirt today, but then I realized <laughs> that I would not look as good as you. In a uh, so, thanks. <laughs> thank you for all of our viewers, by the way, our viewers. Thank you for that too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, were they talking about that or something? No, 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 oh. no one. Your church is growing. No one <laughs> with Brent in the front. Yeah, I'm uh, doing it. Well, Brent, I already did the whole host spiel. Uh, so oh, you did. We're, we're good there. Yeah, I remembered. So I was really pretty, pretty proud of myself. It was a little cheesy. Nice. So hope you enjoy it when you're editing. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. I just, I'm sure you told him already, but with all the remodeling and redesign and all that kind of stuff that we're doing i'm having to squeeze in meetings with people when i can and and um handle all that stuff so i just got out of a probably about a 45 minute long um interior design meeting for picking out furniture and stuff like that for what we have coming up soon and then i'm out of town next week on vacation so i had to really squeeze some stuff in there so sorry about that guys that's why i'm late to the party today all right good man it's all good. Well, I already <laughs> messed it up earlier. I didn't do the cross posting, so we had to redo it again. So, oh, did uh, you? Yeah, we're we're firing on all cylinders today, so it's gonna be good. Gonna be a good day. Sounds good. <laughs> so, well, um, we're so glad you you could join us, Brent and Spencer, and <laughs> uh, yeah, today. We, so we're in. Oh, this is gonna be great because we have an even number now of verses that we get to oh, read because there's twenty seven. There's twenty seven verses. There's three of us. Math. Uh, division works really well for me. So I would say that's nine. Is that correct? Nine verses <laughs> each. Um, so yeah. And then uh, I'll go ahead and give us a little bit of context. So uh, Israel, the Northern tribes, the 10 tribes of Israel uh, are still, um, there's still a civil war that's took place. They're now a separate nation uh, that's continuing and carrying on. And that will carry on until basically both of the nations go in captivity. Um, the Southern kingdom is Judah. So whenever you hear, uh, Joseph at king of Judah, then you know that that's the bottom two tribes. And then when you ever hear like, um, you know, Ahab, who's not, we're not going to read about Ahab, uh, but uh, king of Israel, then that will be the, the northern tribes. And uh, also there's been a passing of the, I guess, cloak for, for lack of a better terms uh, from Elijah to Elisha. So we'll probably mess that up. We will probably say Elijah by accident because um, they have forever cursed us for confusion when it, when Elijah and Elisha are together. Uh, so anyways, he has just gone up into heaven. And then Elijah is now the prophet. And uh, one of Elijah's uh, first miracles, which was uh, pretty cool, was I guess is uh, 
uh, uh, some kids were making fun of his bald head. And so unfortunately we don't have Michael here for, uh, to give us context for that. But we had some, some local street youths that were making fun of his bald head. And then a bear came out and mauled them. So great local miracle. street youths. <laughs> Elisha. Um, so moral of the story, man, don't, don't mess with the bald guys. Yeah. They, got, they got bears. Um, bears beat <laughs> Battlestar Galactica, right? Um, so... Uh, yeah so anyways uh so that's kind of what's been going on now uh what's what's really interesting here is that we're seeing also the prominence of um prophets and how the voice of the lord is something that people are seeking as much as they can especially kings when it comes to decisions that they're making big decisions like going into war going into battle different things like that and um currently we are having the israelites they are at war with uh, the moabites which are a people that should have been destroyed um, by, uh, I think it was um, Saul. I think Saul was the one that was supposed to destroy the Moabites and he didn't. And, and also that was also, I think one of the ones that should have been destroyed in um, the, um, in Moses's time too, because they went through the king, they went through the Moabites uh, on their way to the promised land. So I'm not totally sure if I'm getting that right or not, but that's <laughs> leading us up to this chapter. And like Spencer said, it's kind of an in-between chapter. There's stuff going on on both sides, which we just, we tend to see a lot when we're reading, especially these books of history. Uh, and so they kind of were jumping in into kind of a, a, a section of history as we're talking about it. So yeah, that's kind of what's going on right now. Awesome. Thank you for the context. Context, man. So do we want to just go ahead and get into our reading for today then? Yeah, sounds good. So here's today's reading from the Dwell app. Joram, son of Ahab, became king of Israel in Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he reigned for 12 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but not as his father and mother had done. He got rid of the sacred stone of Baal that his father had made, nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. He did not turn away from them. Now Mesha, king of Moab, raised sheep, and he had to pay the king of Israel a tribute of a hundred thousand lambs and the wool of a hundred thousand rams. But after Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So at that time, King Joram set out from Samaria and mobilized all Israel. He also sent this message to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? I will go with you, he replied. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. By what route shall we attack, he asked. Through the desert of Edom, he answered. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. What? exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together, only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here, through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, 
the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, Why do you want to involve me? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. Elisha said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. But now, bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha, and he said, This is what the Lord says. I will fill this valley with pools of water. For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, pluck up all the springs, and ruin every good field with stones. The next morning, about the time for offering the sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. Now all the Moabites had heard that the kings had come to fight against them, so every man, young and old, who could bear arms, was called up and stationed on the border. When they got up early in the morning, the sun was shining on the water. To the Moabites across the way, the water looked red like blood. That's blood, they said. Those kings must have fought and slaughtered each other. Now to the plunder, Moab. But when the Moabites came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up and fought them until they fled. And the Israelites invaded the land and slaughtered the Moabites. They destroyed the towns, and each man threw a stone on every good field until it was covered. They stopped up all the springs and cut down every good tree. Only Ker Haraseth was left with its stones in place, but men armed with slings surrounded it and attacked it. When the king of Moab saw that the battle had gone against him, he took with him seven hundred swordsmen to break through to the king of Edom, but they failed. Then he took his firstborn son, who was to succeed him as king, and offered him as a sacrifice on the city wall. The fury against Israel was great. They withdrew and returned to their own land. So that is Second Kings three with a little bit of a shocker there at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. We already talked about that. We're like, what the heck do we do with that? Right. Yeah, uh, just out of nowhere. Yeah, seemed like a good idea at the time. I. That's just. I don't even know how you make that call. Um, yeah. So yeah. So you know, I, I see a couple different things that I would want to touch on in this, but um, what sticks. It's up to you guys. Is there anything that you guys want to touch on first? I'll let our guest go first. <laughs> um, dude, I'm uh, as a, I know this is kind of out of order. I don't know if you want to start towards the top of the passage, but. Oh, it doesn't a, matter. Yeah. It's just conversation. All right. 
as a worship leader, uh, I'm all about the fact that Elisha was like, hey, before we uh, step into <laughs> what God has for us, we're going to worship and see what happens. Yeah, that was my favorite part, too. Out of that comes the the clarity of for Elisha uh, for, for what the Lord was saying to the yeah. king. So, dude, I think um, uh, th- there's there's many times in Scripture where it talks about um, the, the 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 place that worship has in the beginning of whatever is to come after, mm-hmm. and uh, I just think as, as often as we can praise God for who he is, kind of step into that place um, before asking, you know, what he has for us or the direction he wants us to go. and just kind of helps realign us to what's most important. Yeah. Almost like uh, it realigns us and it like opens up that channel for us to receive and communicate. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, I really liked that part as well. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think what's cool about that too is that not only is it just like it could like the act of worship doesn't have to be this like a harp. It's not like the harp is the magic instrument, right? Sure. But I think what it does is that it 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 kind of it pulls a it pulls us away from the present situation, right? I love how worship kind of has the ability for to, for us to come in with whatever we have, whatever situation we have. And we get the opportunity to align ourselves to the presence of God, to his power. And there's something beautiful about music that does that, right? Like that it will invoke emotion. It will bring like a peace or a calm. And I think that's just a way that God has, has built us and functioned us. And like built us to, to not only worship, but also to receive his peace that kind of uh, breaks apart the fear, right? Because they're coming at Elisha with this fear because there's no water, you know, they got no food, they got no jobs, their pets' heads are falling off. That like it's all kind of like it's it's a it's a stressful time. And um, and they think that they're gonna lose, they think they're gonna die, they think the human Moab is gonna kill all of them. And uh, I love it how he instead of saying, All right, well, let's go ahead and pray, let's go ahead and ask the Lord what we need to do here. They're like, No, let's just stop and yep. let's just like receive a little bit. Let's let let's allow the beauty of music, let's allow it to kind of play over us and allow the presence of the Lord to be to just bring his his peace and bring his presence to to that uh i guess stressful situation yeah 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 so unless i'm wrong here nobody that's a ruler in this chapter is doing the right things by god right jehoshaphat is jehoshaphat's the uh he's a good king he's uh he's one of the israel's good kings but other than that um yeah and that's why i think elisha is actually helping them be is because of the uh pursuit of god that jehoshaphat has right okay so that's yeah. why that's why he's kind of distinguishing him because if it was if it was just the king of israel elisha was like go to your pagan prophets you know i'm not even right i'm a day yeah and that's that's where it kind of got me is like so the guy uh is it joram yeah uh and his parents were um ahab and jezebel that he was yeah so that he was referring to it right mm-hmm. um so, yeah, so it, it just, I don't know how, I don't know, I don't want to sound judgmental at all, but I don't know how people can see God move the way that he does and and see um, 
like with their own eyes, the power of what he's doing and then still not follow him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even though we don't get it right. It's just, it's just, it blows my mind when I see this stuff um, that people continue to do these things um, and not follow him. We don't get it right all the time, obviously, but um, to not turn towards him when you see his power and when you see him move and when you see somebody like um, Elisha speak to him and gain direction from him, like it just, it's crazy to me. I don't know. That stuck out to me a little bit. I, I think it's a great point, Brent, because I think Jesus gives a great distinction in the Sermon on the Mount, right? In Matthew 7, where he says, you know, a wise and a foolish builder, they both experience God. They both hear God, right? Um, They hear the wise words, but a foolish person doesn't do anything about it. And he builds his life on sand, where the wise person applies it to his life and builds his life on a rock. And so I I think that's going to be like that, that kind of theme that we even see, like, like humility is a theme that we saw all through, like, first and second Samuel and even through just some of the Kings when they humble themselves, when they end up doing like spiritual reform within their um, country, it ends up having this great impact on, uh, on their people and on their battles and different things like that. But I think that you, I, I think that happens to us a lot. We got, we encounter God, like God reveals himself in such a mighty way. Like I can think of back when I was not following the God, God at all. And there was times when he would rescue me and it was so obvious that he was rescuing me. Like it was like, it should not have worked out this way. Uh, I should have had this happen to me. I, sh- I could have gotten in, you know, bad situation after bad situation. And he rescued me, pulled me out of it, but I was, I, I didn't acknowledge it. And I didn't even bother to apply it to my life. I kind of just carried on. And, and I think that that when we don't, when God reveals himself to us in all, in his miracles and his power and through people and through situations, we have the opportunity to process that or just carry on. And I think that's where you see the difference between probably these two Kings. And I think the difference between, you know, we haven't even our own lives, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I see, I see a massive tactical error for the Moabites here, um, which I think we can all gain some wisdom from, but But also, I just I wonder, I would love to know how God works in these moments. Like, so obviously he does work. But so like for the Moabites, when he makes the water appear like blood. You think they maybe be like, hey, maybe a couple scouts go ahead and check out and see if they all killed each other (laughs) before they gather the whole army and just rush in. But but God knew they would do that. So I always wonder, like, did God know all I have to do is show them? and make the water look like blood or does he also do something in them to make them foolish you know what i mean mm-hmm. i always wonder that kind of stuff when i read that because because you would think if they're an army and if they're experienced to battle they're going to know you don't go rushing into anything but they saw that they made an assumption and they just rushed in and that was that was the end of them um so I, yeah, I always wonder about that kind of stuff, but that is a tactical error you do not make on anything in your life. <laughs> Obviously a lot of us will never go into battle, but um, don't ever make assumptions and send everything you have in on something without verifying, unless God himself tells you to. <laughs> <laughs> Words of wisdom by Brent Smith. Uh, Here we go. That's what do you think about that? What do you think about the whole um, God knowing God uh, working, but also kind of the own human air, human choice kind of mixture. Um, I don't think God, I don't think God causes us to be foolish. I don't think God desires for us to be foolish. Um, 
I think that, uh, I mean, Brent, I think you're right. Like he shows up and shows himself so often. Uh, but that is the beauty of uh, our free will because like he could, you know, force into whatever he could force us into relationship uh, with him, his love, his, you know, just, but that's just like him being a puppet master up in heaven, you right. know, just having fun with us down here and just doing, and I, that's, that, that defeats the purpose of Jesus, that, defeat, that defeats the purpose and the need for, for the gospel. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I, <laughs> we, we always have to remind ourselves, or I always have to remind myself, that we live in a fallen, messed up world. And, and because of that, uh, and because we do have free will, there's going to be a lot of people that choose foolishness. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of people choose uh, to not, um, to not seek, uh, the existence of God or, or to, to choose to not be open to the gospel. Um, but let, let us not allow that for us that are, that have either given in, and I don't mean that in a weird way, but that have been convinced, uh, or those of us that are still seeking, I mean, if I can be honest, dude, like there's a lot in our world like this. So much has been created in our world that, that there's good arguments for whether God exists or not. Like there's good, there's good arguments for whether or not Jesus is the salvation of the world. Um, but that's also the beauty of relationship with Jesus is that when you when you take that step to accept it, Holy Spirit comes in. And then there's this, there's just like this foundational confidence that like there's good arguments in the world, but I, and maybe I can't like, maybe I don't have a good response to those arguments, but I know that what I believe is true. Yeah. And, uh, and I think like, like that's the beauty of this moment for these Kings too. It's just like, I mean, they saw it. Through, through the help of Elisha, they sought the direction of God. And I mean, there, there has to be at some point then a confidence to say, okay, we're following what is what is right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a lot of crazy stuff that happens. Uh, there's a lot of chaos in the world around us. There's a lot of good arguments against what we believe, but we have a confidence for what's right. And I, I, and I think that's, again, the beauty of like, choose, like having that free will to choose um can draw us to uh jesus can draw us to himself through that in a pretty cool way does, does that make sense yeah yeah absolutely yeah i think that it's it's one of those things it's kind of like <clears throat> i think a, a uh, area that's challenging for people when they read scripture in the old testament is like the story of pharaoh right where um he hardens his heart and then god says god hardens his heart right and so it's like, where does the whole, where does the choice free will happen? Where does God's also supreme uh, nature, power, sovereignty kind of work in? And, and I think that when God has infinite, he's infinite, right? So he has infinite amount of uh, wisdom, but he also has infinite amount of time to be able to see how, uh, to know how everything's going to unfold, right? So 
I think that's cool about prophecy, right? So prophecy reveals that character and nature about God, that he knows what's happening. And so he can speak through his prophets and it, it will come to pass the way it happens because he knows, he knows already. Um, but he also gives us the opportunity to make a choice. And a lot of times he will, uh, because of the, I guess, the power of the freedom of choice, he lets us kind of continue in those decisions if that's what we choose, right? If we're going to be stubborn about it, he's going to continue to let us go in that nature. And that's what we see with Pharaoh, because it says at first that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And so he kept doing that. And I think he did it like six times. And then it says after that, that God hardened his heart. And it was almost like God said, okay, if this is how you're, these are your chances to repent. These are your chances to like recognize my power. And if you won't, I'm just going to give you over to your choice. And I'm going to let your choice be your destiny, which ultimately would become his destruction. Right. And, and so I think that you kind of see that even with these Moabite Kings and they had the choice. I mean, the army, they had the choice, they had the choice to scout it out, um, you know, but they didn't. And that ended up being kind of what, and, but God already knew that that was going to happen. And, and so I think that kind of circling back, if God knows, then I love that we have that confidence in his character especially when we, when we look at the promises of God, you know, when we see the promises of God through Jesus, uh, all that he's doing for us on our behalf, I think it can continue to give us confidence when we see that he does see the future. He knows exactly what's going to happen. And so we can trust him in this time, just like, you know, Elisha was able to show to the Kings, the miracle was able to happen through all the water coming through and then they were victorious. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyone want to tackle the last verse? <laughs> no, I've actually, while we've been talking, I've been looking at like seven different translations of it to see if there's any more clarity in there. And there's just really not. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if we're supposed to just kind of figure out why he did that. Like, I think, uh, well, so I, I was reading some commentary on it mm. and one, I mean, this shows kind of the nature of the Canaanite worship. Was that when things got desperate, you ended up, you know, killing, you know, child sacrifice was there uh, and it was, and it's terrible. I mean, that's like the, they would sacrifice to Moloch and Chemosh or whatever it was, um, those old gods uh, or the old, you know, false gods. And um, it was for victory. That was for the point of it, you know? And so um, with this, I wonder, like, it says that there was a great anger against Israel. Some translations say there was a great anger in Israel. Like they were just so appalled and so upset that he would do something like that, that I guess they, they withdrew in, in kind of response to that. I also read a commentary that said, if, if the King of Moab was willing to sacrifice his heir and oldest son, then he would basically not, there was nothing he would stop to, mm. he, there was nothing he wouldn't do to stop from uh, having defeat. So he's, you know, so desperate. And yeah. so I guess Israel probably was thinking like, th this is just me processing it. So I'm not saying this is fact. They were probably thinking, we're probably going to save a little bit of bloodshed here because this guy is just a maniac and he'll just do whatever he can. You know, it's yeah. kind of like kind of some of the things that we've seen in some of the wars that we've been in with kamikaze pilots and, you know, even some of the stuff that we, the Vietnam, when you had mothers had with, with babies that had bombs on babies and things like that, just terrible stuff where they're just doing whatever they can to try to avoid defeat, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so I think that might be kind of what we're seeing here, but I don't know if there's like a great spiritual, 
kind of application to be drawn something out to take from it yeah yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I, and it does i mean when people do those kinds of things it it provides such a moment of shock and horror that i think it makes everybody stop for a minute and if you look at the um contemporary english version the cev translation it says um he then grabbed his oldest son who was to be the next king and sacrificed him as an offering on the city wall the israelite troops were so horrified that they left the city and went back home mm. So kind of what you were saying there. Yeah. But um, just, you know, different translations with a little bit of a different thing to them. Um, yeah, I think it does. I think it creates that moment. It just makes you go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Mm -hmm. You know? And I think that's the, like, that's the, that's when like evil, like false worship and evil is like really exposed, you know, yeah. and it becomes so appalling. Uh, like when you see stuff that like when humanity does stuff like the Holocaust, <clears throat> you know, and like, you're like, that's awful. Like that to me is just like evil fully exposed. Cause a lot of times I think evil will try to be hidden, you know, like we'll try to kind of be behind the surface, behind the scenes. Uh, and, but when it kind of like fully exposes itself, it's like horrifying almost to the point, uh, genocides, anything like that, where you see just kind of this total disregard for life. And I think that, um, what I'm so thankful for is that God has invaded this earth with his kingdom, right? Because yeah. God originated the value of human life, right? He even talked about that in Genesis uh, after the flood with Noah. He said that, you know, if you take a human life, it's, it's going to require your own life. Like there is, there is value in human life. And, right. um, and I think that when evil, when it's really shown for what it is, there's no value for human life. And, and that's where I think it gets so appalling. Um, and, and I think that's the, some of the appalling things that we see even in our generation and our culture is, uh, is when we see the value of human, uh, of humanity and human life just go, go to a bare minimum or non-existent, you know? And, and so um, I think that uh, that to me kind of sticks out as, you know, what it looks like when God is not, you know, yeah is not on the scene his kingdom is not there and how dark it can really be yeah and you know not to tie it too much into current events like I'm, I'm definitely not going there politically or anything like that right now but um there's a big movement of people right now that are starting to push a narrative and believe that the holocaust didn't happen mm. so to me that's just the enemy working over generations of time to try to cover up that evil again so that in some ways it can happen again, you know, um, that's just crazy to me. I mean, that, and that to me, at least in my perspective and seeing that, that just, it shows the relentless, relentlessness of the enemy um, to always, always be pushing forward every day, which makes it that much more important that we are always pushing forward on a relationship in connection with God so that we, we stay on the right path. And so we don't get caught up in, in a lot of different things like that. So um, yeah, there, there's just, crazy things like that going on in the world right now where where things are being kind of um whitewashed and i don't know how you can whitewash the holocaust you know yeah i don't know how you can do that but there are people who are trying to do that so just crazy to me so we got to be on our toes for sure you said something interesting just a second ago you said uh the the relentless effort of the devil mm -hmm. because of his, i mean he can't accept his we right. know that we've been 
but he can't accept us. So we are still experiencing the, re the relentless effort of him. And so while what we read in scripture, like this passage where this king sacrificed his son on the wall, while that sounds absurd and sounds crazy and sounds extreme, mm. um, like this, as we've been talking, these are acts of evil. And mm. so like so many times people, people, I have conversations with Christians all the time that just say, uh, you know, why, why does the world act the way that it does? Why mm -hmm. can't the world act like us? Because they don't know God. Right. They, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how, how can we expect people that don't know Jesus to act like Jesus? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I think we're seeing an extreme version of it here. Um, but at the same time, like you just said, Brent, like that, that is, that's the beauty of what it looks like for us to draw close to God and his promise then to draw close to us so that we don't have to be in the midst of um, some of those, those, those evil acts. But I just think uh, like, like you said, and, and why I wanted to point this out is because we have to remember that while this sounds crazy, we've seen moments, we've seen events that that would be this extreme or even more so yeah. happen our world um still happening in our world and we have to always remember that this is a, a spiritual battle that we're fighting and that we're in the midst of um and again just the importance of what it means then to to remain close to god yeah, yeah. i think um one, one thing also that sticks out to me is that not only does the enemy kind of shroud himself like the evil of this world shrouds itself and tries to kind of um more uh kind of deflect his presence i think and when we see this like ultimate evil it's like man it's really dark um but i think what his one of the great deceptions that i think he uh, tries to get followers of jesus to believe is that the solution to this is something other than jesus right you know when we see all this evil in humanity the solution is not anything it's, it's nothing but jesus like it has to be jesus right and, and so what that looks like is us being salt and light and us impacting the world. And that's what, I mean, the value of human life that our world in a lot of ways shares, there's a lot of places that don't share it, but uh, I would say a lot of the world shares a value for human life in some form or fashion, lots of inconsistencies with it. When we have like abortion to, you know, you know all kinds of, uh, all kinds of issues that we have going on in our country, different types of genocide, different things like that, murder. So there's inconsistencies in it, but the kind of um, the overall uh, thought process that, that, that life matters, right. And that the human life is so valuable is because of Jesus, right. And it's because followers of Jesus toppled a brutal Roman empire and changed the entire world by spreading the morality that life is not like life is important. All life is important, you know? And so I think that um, we lose sight of that sometimes because we'll, we'll hope in something else for the solution, you know, whether it's uh, political parties, whether it's kind of, you know, whatever it may be isolation of the bad, whatever it may be that we try to kind of try to try to think that's going to help us out, but really it's Jesus. 
It's mm. only Jesus that changes the heart. It's only the power of Jesus and his sacrifice that, you know, from that springs well springs of life from out of us. You know, the transformation is the thing that happens inwardly that comes out through his power, not from any kind of external thing. Um, so that, I don't know that, that to me, I always need that reminder, right? Because it's so easy to get kind of trapped in like a false solution or a false savior. Yeah. Bro, my, my, uh, my, my biggest prayer, my most constant prayer right now for the church is for boldness and courage, uh, like we see through the disciples uh, and the followers of Jesus in scripture. And we, we have examples of that, you know, in, in, in our, our, my generation and generations past as well outside of scripture. But I totally agree with you. We have, and, and let me just speak to Christians for a minute. We have, have placed too much hope for change in uh, the, the hands and the power of, uh, our political alignment, our world, any worldly leader, we, we, we put our hope for change in them. And, and Jesus then comes second. When, when my plea for us as Christians is to turn to Jesus first, all hail King Jesus. I love my mm-hmm. new, new favorite worship song in those been out for a while. I've been singing it all the time. Jeremy Riddle. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> it's um, so good. But we, like King Jesus is first and, and then through relationship with him, through, through prayer and the power and clarity of the Holy spirit, we can then make the decisions we need to make towards earthly leadership. But, uh, I mean, King Jesus is first said, man, Daniel, uh, Jesus is the only one that can actually change anything. Like there's a reason that, that our world has never gotten better. Mm. because there's still a, 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 a large group of people that won't turn to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we've seen the beauty and the power of what happens when we insert Jesus into a situation and transformation and change occurs in a beautiful way. And uh, my prayer again for Christians is that we would, the Bible also speaks to the church, to, to Christians, to you and I, the body of Christ, being the hope for humanity, being <clears throat> carries that change of Jesus into the world around us. But we're not, man, we, we, we have lost boldness. We have lost courage to take Jesus into the places that he needs to be most desperately. And uh, we, we, we read stuff like this in scripture. We see all the, what, you know, what we would consider maybe extreme evil in the world around us. And, and we as Christians sit back and say, oh, that's awful. I'm not going there but that's the very place that we need to be most. And uh, we, I just have been praying for boldness and courage uh, to enter into those spaces. Yeah. And I, you know, some people know this, some people don't, I know both of you do, but um, in my past, I was very, I still follow politics and news and stuff like that. But I was just telling Daniel and some guys the other day, I said, now that I'm in ministry, I kind of, peek in every once in a while, I'll see what's going on, get up to date. And then I'm like, okay, I'm out because it can consume you. It yeah. can consume you and make you obsessive and get you angry and depressed and all this different stuff. And um, the thing that knowing Jesus has done for me is it prioritizes his kingdom right over everything else. Now I still believe that there is a lot of wisdom and there's a lot of importance in knowing what's going on around you 
and being involved and helping to for change, for good, for what you believe is good in the world. Um, but it always has to be under the prioritization of the kingdom of heaven first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that can be really hard for people, you know, in some ways I, I struggle with where I'm like, where, where's the line for, for certain action and certain things to stand up for what you believe in, you know, where's, where's the line for that stuff. And, um, and I think that that's a really good conversation that all of us need to be having right now and figuring out where that is. But the most important point of it, once again, to reiterate, is that the kingdom of God and that Jesus is always the top priority out of all of it. And you weigh everything that you do against that. And mm-hmm. I think that that, that creates, um, uh, what's I can't think of the right word, like a buffer zone almost, and you going too far and getting too caught up in things other than that. Um, and it, it helps you live a happier life. It helps you... Um, not get so stressed about all this stuff because you know where everything in the end lies and you know that that Jesus has it already. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I hosted a political podcast for like two years um, before I came into ministry and stuff. So I've, I've lived in this stuff and in this world and um, you've got to have your priorities right. That is 100 percent for sure. I think I think what's what we learned from the king of Moab is that when you don't accept Christ as savior, since he already paid the price, we end up being the ones that have to sacrifice to try to find another savior. And so we sacrifice our family. We sacrifice our dignity. We sacrifice our integrity. We sacrifice uh, relationships. We sacrifice unity. We sacrifice um, prosperity. Like we sacrifice our, our resources, our time, our energy, everything to try to find a savior when Jesus has already done all of that. Yeah. He has already sacrificed everything for us to receive his um, saving power. And when we, when we stiff arm that and try to find it something else, we will find ourselves losing constantly in the process. Yeah. yeah. Good. hundred percent. Well, do we want to wrap it up there? Do we have any other, uh, do we need to summarize anything uh, today that we've talked about? Anybody got anything like that? Or are we good to finish up? I think that's been a pretty good talk today. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, I think going back to our original thing, because I think a lot of times we'll like hammer in on like a point at the end and not go back to the original. Man, the power of sitting and soaking in worship and in the presence of God and allowing that to inform your day, your decisions, uh, the things that you are facing, whatever it may be, is totally invaluable. Like mm-hmm. it, ha- there is, um, and it, and it saves you so much in the end when you're processing what you're going through with the Lord, and receiving His peace and His presence. You know, so I think that in a time right now where it feels like chaos reigns, where peace is few and far between, I think pursuing this time of presence of of whatever it may be, maybe it's music, maybe it's reading a book, maybe it's silence, whatever it is that the Lord has wired you for, maybe it's working, but you're working in a way that's giving you that time to like really experience the presence of God, whatever that looks like, you know, prioritize that and make sure that that kind of fills your, your, I guess your, your spirit in a way that helps you endure the day. It's good. Yeah. Yep. I want to add. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Spencer, will you pray us out today, please? 
I, uh, I hate to throw you under the bus, but I, I honestly, I have a very strict rule. I try not to, not to speak and not to lead a prayer and things like that. If I don't feel like God is telling me to, that I have anything to, to say or share in the moment, I don't know if you have anything or not, but if you do, would you mind leading us in prayer? And Daniel made me pray in, so might as well. Oh, did he? Yeah, you're bookending okay. it, Spencer. Book oh, Daniel can get us out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'd like All to right. pray. Um, God, I thank you for these men, and I, and I thank you for um, their wisdom, and uh, I thank you for, for selfishly the opportunity that I had to just sit in here today and, and listen to them and glean from them. Um, believing that you are at work in their life. And so what they share uh, comes from the stirring or a stirring of you. So I just thank you for that. And I thank you for them. I thank you for all those that, that were a part of this today, that watched this today, that were uh, li listening in on this conversation. And, and would you just continue to encourage all of us uh, to, to seek you first, uh, seek first the kingdom of God, and all things will be handed after. I think, Father, we live in a society in which we put all of our hope, all of our uh, desire for change in earthly things, and, and they're always, as we have experienced, going to fall short. Jesus, we uh, turn to you today, and we ask for your wisdom, for your guidance, for your transformation, for your change to come in our world to community. Uh, you are the answer. You have always been the answer. And uh, so we just uh, call on you today, draw near to you today. And would you give us as followers of you, as Christians, a boldness and a courage to take your gospel, to take the good news, your light, your love, your hope into a desperate world around us that needs to hear it. Uh, would we not be afraid of the work of the devil? Would we not be afraid of the evil we see around us? Because we recognize that that is the very place that your light needs to be the most. So we love you, Lord. We, we give this day to you. Uh, continue to, to speak uh, your love, to shed your love over us and encourage us in the wisdom of your word. Uh, so we love you. We thank you for Jesus. And we pray all this in his incredible name. Amen. Amen. Um, man, that part of your prayer again, um, about being unafraid to go into into the lion's den, basically. Um, I saw something yesterday that somebody shared. It might have been um, Sarah Williams. Somebody, um, they shared, a, 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 it's a, a black man that goes into KKK meetings and talks to members in there and has turned hundreds of people away from being members of the KKK mm. just by going in there and speaking to them. Mm. And I just, that kept popping up in my head again and again when you were talking about that um, earlier and then in your prayer again, like it's a good example, I think, of what we're called to do as, as Christians, yeah. like to literally walk into the den of the people that hate us the most sometimes. Yeah. And how much, how much courage does that take, you know? Yeah. How much faith does that take? So um, I just felt like that was something I needed to talk about to help somebody kind of get the point of view of what we're really called to do. So, um, but anyway, uh, thank you guys. Uh, thank you, Spencer, for joining us today. Daniel, I'm, I'm actually, one thing real quick. Uh, Spencer, you guys, Mike Brewer hosts podcast. Uh, 
you want to will you talk about that real quick or did you talk about that at the beginning of this already no no not yet yeah okay. no Mike and I do a podcast for our church uh, where we kind of very similar to what you guys are doing. But Mike, I want to plug what he does because I think it's really incredible. He has yeah. a podcast on his own that he hosts called the Church 2060 Podcast. Yeah. Uh, basically, he just kind of takes a look at the life of the church um, historically, where we're at now, and, and kind of trying to gauge where we're headed uh, kind of towards 2060. Um, and he has a lot of incredible insight uh, on his own. And then he also brings in some guests. Uh, even Pastor Phil was on there, uh, I think last week or the week before. Uh, yeah. Just talking about the life of the church, uh, leadership of the church, and, and what it looks like for us as, as Christians to, to be present and where God wants us now and to look forward to, to where God might be calling us in the future. So uh, yeah. Church 2060 podcast. Uh, he has it on all platforms and it's pretty incredible okay that's awesome and uh your other podcast you said that he and he and you post uh host together i know we've plugged it on here before plug it again real quick too if you would yeah just it's just family a, yeah <laughs> it, yeah absolutely it's uh you can just go to our church's website calvarylinechurch.org um and find we've currently done all of our podcasts via zoom like this mm-hmm. So you can also find it on, on YouTube, uh, just Calvary Alliance Church, and, and uh, we can find all of the stuff that we do there. Okay. Awesome, man. Well, Daniel, since you were the one that got us in because I was late today, do you want to get us out? Sure. All right. All right. Thank ahead. you guys for joining us today. Um, as always, go out. Do your own thing. <laughs> no, no. I want to be you. I want to be you, man. Come on. Uh, go out and be the light. No, um, man, just let Jesus live through you. You know, it's not I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So empty ourselves. Let let us have more of Jesus and let's live in a way that would reflect him and reflect his what he stood for. And nice. uh, he was willing to lay his life down. So let's do the same. We love you yeah. guys. That's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> I like Brent's better. It's so That's <laughs> because his is rehearsed. I mean, come on. He says that thing like every week for the past like five years. That's right. Mine's like an old broken ball glove, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's great to see you guys, man. Yeah, you too. All right. You guys have a good day, man. All right. We'll talk to everybody later. See you guys. See you guys.